Good morning, church. So good to see you this morning. I love and appreciate you so very much. I'm excited and looking forward to, as Mark said, uh, the thanks singing tonight. I, I really hope, I really hope, let me just put a plug in for this. I really hope that you'll plan on being here this evening so that we can sing together and express to God how thankful we are for all the blessings that we have. It's, I, I never make a secret of it. Every year I tell you that Thanksgiving is by far, <laughs> by far my favorite holiday. I love it. And, and every November when the month starts, it, there's always this debate, you know, maybe you've engaged in this debate about how early is too early to put up the tree and how early is too early to start singing or listening to Christmas songs. Those of us that really like Thanksgiving have this tendency to be like, hey, no, wait, our holiday is still coming up. You know, you, you wait until it's your turn, okay? So, so I, but I, I don't really get into that so much. I don't mind Christmas infringing on Thanksgiving territory. But what I really find kind of ironic is Black Friday infringing on Thanksgiving. You know what I'm saying? I mean, isn't it kind of ironic? Isn't it at least a little ironic that we have a, a Thursday on which we say we're going to be thankful and look at all of the blessings we have and be grateful for what we have and then the very next day trample each other trying to get deals on stuff we don't need, right? And, and then every year I'll see commercials and Black Friday, they'll say Black Friday starts earlier this year and they'll start it earlier, early in the morning, 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 and then... And then it's like, starts at 9 p.m. on Thursday. I'm like, 9 p.m. on Thursday? That Thursday has a name. That's Thanksgiving. <laughs> you're, you're, you're doing it on Thanksgiving. This desire that we have, this compulsion we have, this craving that we have for more and more and more stuff, we have to think about that, don't we? This desire we have to consume more, to accumulate more, to have more. We have to think about that desire, that craving, that longing. I read a story this week about an old prospector. It's probably an old story. You may have heard something similar to this. This old prospector who found what he thought was the mother load of gold, right? And it turns out it wasn't gold. It was fool's gold, right? But he, he loaded up his donkey thinking that it was, it was real gold, thinking that he had found millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of gold. And so he loads up his donkey, loads up as much as they could possibly carry, and they set out across the desert. But of course, while they're traveling across the desert, they run out of water, and both the animal and the man die. And when they found the body, they found a note with two words, died rich. And of course, it's ironic because he didn't die rich. He only died thinking that he was rich, thinking that he had accumulated all of this wealth right before he died. But I, I read that story and I thought, what difference would it have made if it was real? What difference would it have made if he really did find the mother load? What difference would it have made if he really did have saddlebags filled with gold if he had died a millionaire? Because guess what? He's still dead. And what difference would it have made? 
What difference would it have made if he died with a million pounds of gold or if he died with a million pounds of nothing because in the end of the story, he's still dead? See, there's this idea about contentment, and we've been talking about contentment all month this month. We're going to continue today and and next week as well, but as we think about contentment, there's this myth or this idea about contentment that contentment is being satisfied with less, and I want to challenge that idea this morning. Christian contentment is not about being satisfied with less. Let me say it again, because this is the entire point this morning. Christian Contentment is not about being satisfied with less. There's this idea that God should just want me, God wants me to just be happy with less. That I have less than other people have, that other people have more than me, that my friends have more than me, that my neighbors have more than me, that people in my community have more than me, and I should just be satisfied with having less. That's not Christian contentment. Christian contentment is not about being satisfied with less. So what is Christian contentment about? Let's look at that. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Now, before we get to the text this morning in 1 Timothy 6, you got to kind of go back and a little bit of context. Paul's writing to Timothy, and Timothy is the preacher in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, there are these false teachers. And among other things that Paul says to Timothy about these false teachers is that these false teachers, they believe that godliness or devotion to God or religion, that religion is the means of profit or gain. They think by preaching and teaching and being religious, being devoted to God, that it's going to be a way for them to make money. And so Paul rebukes them for thinking that godliness is a means of profit or a means of gain. But then he says in verse 6, and catch this because this is so important, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. It's good, isn't it? Godliness, being devoted to God with contentment really is. It really is a means of profit. It really is a means of gain. It really is a means of having more, just not the type of gain that the false teachers are looking for. Not the kind of gain that the false prophets are looking for. But godliness with contentment really is the means of great Gain. Now, think about what, what the, the false teachers have. They're, they're teaching and, and embracing a sort of godliness without contentment, right? Religion without contentment. And Paul says that's, that's a problem. And a lot of times for us, there's our problem. Godliness without contentment. But, but of course, there, there were also Stoics and philosophers who were teaching a sort of contentment without godliness. And we need to be aware of that as well, don't we? That we're not just, we're not just saying be content for contentment's sake, that being content or having less or being satisfied with less in and of itself is of any value. But Paul says that godliness, being devoted to God, 
trusting God, entrusting your wants to God, entrusting your desires to God with contentment. That is a means of great profit, a means of great gain, a a means of really truly having a rich life. That this is the way to be truly wealthy. This is the way to be truly happy. This is the, the way to truly have more is to devote yourself to God and be content. See, worldly contentment The contentment of the Stoics was a a contentment of self-reliance. Like, all I need is what I can earn. All I need is what I can get. And if I get it and I have it, then I'll be content with that. And I don't need any more than I can earn for myself and get for myself. But that's a reliance on self. Paul isn't ever proclaiming a reliance on self. He's always proclaiming a reliance on the Lord. And he says, if you rely on the Lord, if you have godliness with contentment, that is a means of great gain. This is true profit and gain. It comes when you are devoted to God, devoted to him and thankful to him for who he is and what he has done and what he will do, entrusting your desires to him. Look at verse 7. He says, for we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. He says, if we have necessities, then we will be content. Because we have what we need. And if we have what we need, if we have food and clothing with these, we will be content. More stuff does not make life any better. More stuff does not make life better. Let's say it one more time because we need to practice saying this to ourselves, don't we? More stuff does not make life better. What difference does it make if you die with a billion dollars or you die with zero dollars, you're still dead. Paul says, we didn't have anything when we came into the world and we're not going to have anything when we go out of the world. So if we have what we need, if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. We have to practice saying to ourselves, more stuff will not make my life better. Every time you see a commercial on television, tell yourself, more stuff will not make my life better. Jesus says, Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. One's life, one's life does not consist in the abundance of one's possessions. If people in the first century struggled with that, and you probably have an idea about how little they had in comparison to how much we have, how little abundance they had, how little surplus above and beyond what they really needed that they had compared to how much the average American has. And if they needed to hear that, how much more do you need to hear that? How much more do I need to hear that? 
that your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. That I know every time you turn on the television and every time you talk to your friends and every time you, th- you scroll through social media and you see what everybody else has, you think if I had that, my life would be so much better. But Paul says, you, when you were born, you were naked. You bring anything with you and and you're going to die, and you're going to not take anything with you. So if we have our necessities, we will be content with these things. Now he says in verse 9, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Now, a couple things here. First, first notice that it's not, it's not, this part of the text isn't to the people that are rich. Some of us kind of take ourselves off the hook, don't we? We say, well, I'm not rich. That doesn't really apply to me. No, no, no. Paul isn't just talking about rich people. He's talking about people who want to be rich. If we say, well, I I really do just basically have necessities. I don't have a whole lot of abundance. I don't have a lot of surplus. Yes, but would you like to? (laughs) Would you like to? That's the question. And that's where Paul says there is so much danger And church, we don't often think about this. We don't often talk about this, that there is an incredible amount of danger in wanting to be rich. He says those who desire to be rich, those who have a love for money, those who have this craving, craving, love, desire. And it's all around us, isn't it? I mean, every time, you can't even watch sports television without them telling you how much this player just signed for, right? How much this guy's making, how much they're making, how much this is. Every time we turn around and we think, wow, wouldn't that be awesome? Wouldn't that be awesome to have this or to have that or to make this or to make that? And Paul says, you don't understand just how much danger there is in this desire, in this craving, in this love, in this wanting to have more than you need. And, and notice, notice the way he expresses all of these things. That it isn't, it isn't that God wants to keep you from enjoying yourself. It isn't that God wants to keep you from good things. Sometimes we think, oh, I just need to be satisfied with my miserable little life over here. No, 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 listen. He's trying to keep you from pain. He says, He says that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation. They fall into a snare. That's a trap. He says that they they fall into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. He says that through this craving, they pierce themselves with many pangs. That's misery and pain and suffering and distress. See, here's the paradox that selfishness is self-destructive. Selfishness is self-destructive. We think by being selfish, we're, 
we'll probably have the best possible life, right? I can live my best life. I can do what I want to do, and I can get what I want to get and have what I want to have and be as comfortable as I want to be. And we think by being selfish that we can provide for ourselves, that we can protect ourselves, that we can comfort ourselves, and we seek all of these pleasures and all of this stuff, and we selfishly want to accumulate. And Paul says, What doesn't occur to most people is that selfishness is self-destructive. Do these really sound like things that we want? Temptation and snares and harmful desires and ruin and destruction and piercing ourselves with many pangs? See, God is trying to save us from that. And we know that, don't we? We say things like money can't buy what? Money can't buy happiness. But Paul says it's worse than that. It's worse than money can't buy happiness because we, we say we know that. We say, oh, I know money can't buy happiness, but it can buy a jet ski, and I've never seen anybody sat on a jet ski, right? <laughs> we say we know that I'm not going to be happy just because I have a bunch of money, but, but it can't hurt, right? Paul says it can. It can hurt. Chasing it can hurt. Desiring it can hurt. Craving for it can hurt. Longing for it can hurt. You can destroy yourself, not just through the having it, but the chasing it, the desiring it, the craving for it. And Paul is trying to save them from this. Not to to have less, but to have better that you can have better than chasing these things that will lead to ruin and destruction. He says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. The world is seeking after the things that are self-destructive. Even the, the seeking it itself is self-destructive. Selfish seeking is self-destructive. He says, but I want you to go after something better, something more. Pursue this. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue steadfastness. Pursue gentleness. He says, these kinds of pursuits, this is seeking more, not less. See, that's what... That's what Paul is saying, that you're going to have more by seeking these things than by seeking those things. You're going to have more. You're going to have better. You're going to be happier. You're going to be more satisfied if you seek things like righteousness and godliness and faith and love and steadfastness and gentleness. This is where true profit lies. This is where true gain lies. This is where true riches lie. This is where true wealth lies. It isn't that God doesn't want you to be wealthy. He wants you to be rich beyond your wildest dreams. But real wealth, real riches, he wants you to have something that will last. He wants you to pursue something that even in the pursuit of it, there is blessing. But if you pursue earthly wealth, if you pursue earthly riches, that selfish seeking is itself self-destructive. 
And Paul says, I want to save you from that pain. I want to save you from that hurt. Sometimes we're just like little kids, aren't we? And, and, and mom and dad said, don't touch that. That's dangerous. Don't go over there. Don't, don't eat this thing. And we say, well, I want to. No, don't. It's bad for you. It's going to hurt you. Don't. I, I want it. 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 No, I'm trying to save you from the pain by making this off limits. I'm trying to save you from the hurt. And we just keep pursuing the things that hurt us. And the gospel says, I want you to pursue things that will bless you. Not so that you have less, but so that you end up with more. Now, skip down to verse 17. And here he he tells Timothy, here's what I want you to teach those, not just that want to be rich, but those who are rich. He says, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. He says, as to the rich in this present age, the present age can give us some riches, can't it? This present age can give us some riches. But if we're greedy, if we're greedy for more and more and more and more, and we think we have to accumulate more and more and more, we miss out on gratitude because we have a tendency to be haughty to be proud, to be arrogant, to say, I built this, I accumulated this, I did this. And we can't truly be grateful if we're greedy. But but there's more to it than that. We can't even have gratification if we're greedy. Not only can we not have gratitude if we're greedy, we don't even really have gratification if we're greedy. We don't even really enjoy it when we're greedy. One time, I probably shared this story with you before, but one time I was a kid, I was at like a fall festival and you know, maybe like a ring toss or something and it landed on a two liter of Coke. And I never had a two liter of Coke for myself before. We rarely had Coke at all in our house, but this was my two liter of Coke. I mean, it was mine. It was all mine. And so I was like, none of y'all gonna have any of this Coke. This is all my Coke. And not only did I not wanna share it with anybody else, but I really wanted it to last as long as possible. So I would just, I'd just open it up and just have a, just a little bit. And before long, I realized if I, if I kind of dilute it just a little bit with water, I'll make it last even longer. And I held on to it so long and diluted it so much, I enjoyed none of it. And that's exactly what we do when we're greedy. We enjoy none of it. Paul says, your focus needs to be on God, who richly supplies. Your hope needs to be in God, who richly supplies us with everything to enjoy. See, I I was greedy with it because I was worried there's not going to be any more after this. But if you realize that you have a provider who richly provides for you, and when he provides for you, and when he gives you something to eat, and he gives you something to drink, and he he gives you these things that are enjoyable, he wants you to enjoy them. He wants you to be grateful. He wants you to have gratification. But you can't enjoy them so long as you're greedy, so long as you invest your hopes in them instead of the one who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Very quickly, verse 18, he says, they are to be, those who are rich need to be and do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous 
and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. See, isn't there a beautiful paradox to that? He says the way to to store up treasure for the future is to what? Give it away. Give it away. When When you enjoy it and when you share it, and when you're generous and you're doing good works, you're actually storing up treasure for the future. And so our hope is in the future. It's not in the stuff. It's not in the stuff. What good is the stuff? What good is the stuff except to use it for God's glory and for our neighbor's blessings? And that by giving it and sharing it and doing good, we're actually storing up treasure for the future. But it's not just the future, it's also the present. Because the future, the future age is bursting into the present. And he says that when you do this and when you live this way, you're taking hold of that which is truly life. When I was a kid, I'd I watch Scrooge McDuck jump into the piles of coins. You know what I'm saying? And you think, that's, that's the life. That's not the life. This is the life. The life in Jesus is the life. This is what is truly life. Take hold of it right now. Take hold of the future right now in the present by investing your hopes in God, not in the uncertainty of riches. So I want to conclude the way we started that Christian contentment is not about being satisfied with less. Christian contentment is about holding out for more than this present age can offer. Christian contentment is holding out for more than this present age can offer. This present age can only offer the uncertainty of riches and it's all temporary and it's all going away. It can't offer anything of real value. But when we're greedy and we we think that life consists in the abundance of our stuff and we keep accumulating more and more and more and more stuff, not only are we not grateful, not only do we not really enjoy those blessings and we're not being content, we're actually settling for less. We're settling for less. The richest person in the whole world, if he's not rich towards God, if the richest person in the whole world doesn't have faith in Jesus, if the richest person in the world doesn't have a relationship with God through Jesus, they are poor. And they don't need your envy, they need your pity. You are rich. You are wealthy. A poor person who has faith in Jesus who is not less than the richest person in the world if they don't have faith. See, God wants more for us, not less for us. He wants us to not settle. Don't settle for what this present age can offer. Don't sell out for what this present age can offer. Hold out for more. I want to be truly rich. I want to be truly wealthy. I want to have what is truly life. I want everything that God has to offer but we must be willing to wait. We must be willing to wait, to be patient, 
to say what I have now and what I will have when Jesus comes is far more than anything the world has to offer. So our version of contentment isn't about being satisfied with less. It's about holding out for more. Holding out for everything God has to offer. Don't be satisfied with anything less than everything God wants to give you. Don't sell out for less than what God wants you to have. Don't don't settle for less than what God wants you to have. And that's what greed does. Greed settles for less. Greed sells out for less. And God wants you to have more. This is the life into which we're stepping when we become Christians, when we're baptized into Jesus. We're stepping into a life of more. We're taking hold of that which is truly life. And yes, yes, there's times when we have to be satisfied with having less money or less stuff, but it's this life in Christ that is not less, it's more. God is not a God of less. God is a God of more. And he wants a life for you of more. So don't settle for less. Hold out for all the riches that God wants to give you. And if you need help or prayers or encouragement or you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism, now is a great opportunity. Visit with the shepherds after worship or come forward now as we stand and sing.